Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I continuing to give you the edge as we put the fun in functional sports content. Hour number two, we're excited. We're going to have our guy Kim Stewart join us again later in the hour. He has been making us bank when it comes to the PGA Tour. There's another tournament getting started today, so we're going to talk to him. But, you know, we have to mention again this story out of NASCAR, right? Yesterday we talked about the obvious, what was looked at as a gruesome act, the idea of having a noose in Bubba Wallace's stall. We saw what happened. The drivers in solidarity push him to the top of the field, everybody getting together for that powerful moment in NASCAR. And we even heard the FBI was investigating because, you know, the racetrack was under security measures, right? There were not a lot of people who would have been able to do this. And um, it was determined yesterday by the FBI after the investigation that that noose had actually been there for a while, um, mm-hmm. that it was used as a kind of a rope to like pull down a garage door, um, and that it had been for a while, and that Bubba Wallace and all the drivers kind of like randomly get assigned the stalls that they're working in. And so their investigation is resulting that this was not actually a hate crime, just a very, very poorly timed and unfortunate uh, circumstance. Um, what do you think, Kev? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they did what they needed to do. They they did an investigation into it, and this is the results that were found. I think that rope being fashioned like a noose right. is still very, not a good thing. Very odd to me. Yeah. Um, I think the randomness of garage assignments is always going to lead to more questions. I think the biggest takeaway I have is something that you knew was going to happen mm-hmm. is that people were going to start to say, and say the whole thing was fake. Water this down, yeah. And um, again, that's a really, really silly thing to say. They brought the FBI into it. It's right. real as can be. They figured out um, and they investigated into it. That's exactly what they needed to do. And by the way, if I'm not mistaken here, Dane, this isn't that Bubba Wallace ran and told everybody. No, it right. was people were in the garage, yeah. saw it, it was obvious, and it yeah. was like, and told NASCAR. And it was brought as well then to Bubba's attention. Yeah. So as much as I know, unfortunately, people are going to do it, I'm still going to say, I hope people understand that there is no reason to be attacking Bubba Wallace over this. And instead, you should be happy to see that they did the investigation into what was a serious matter. And then if you'd like to take the optimistic approach that their findings are completely accurate, which I'm fine with, then we move on from the situation and hope we don't see anything like it again. Yeah, um, I agree with most of what you said there, Kevin, you know, for, you know, remember when we were talking about the Rooney rule and changing to be like, oh, it's going to be two maybe uh, minority uh, coaches that have to be interviewed. And we kind of felt a little icky about it because of how it could be manipulated. You remember that? I feel the same kind of ickiness about this one, Kev, you know, because I think it can now be kind of watered down into how big of a deal this was in the first place. And whether there was intent there, whether that was a hate crime or not, guess what was real? Everything Bubba Wallace had to go through for the last three days, regardless of the intent, right? He still had to go through this up and down of emotions. He still has to now be this figurehead in NASCAR, whether he wants to or not, probably still for the next months and years, right? Like whether, however this came to pass, the storyline is still there and Bubba now still has to carry the weight in the context of NASCAR and whatever you think about that sport and its kind of evolution to, as we call the right side of history, right? Bubba is still going to have to go through that. There are still, you know, fans draped in the Confederate flag showing up to NASCAR events, you know? So 
maybe there was no intent to have Bubba Wallace be the target of a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But he still is going to have to go through the ringer on this, regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that still is an issue. We have been highlighting all of these examples, uh, though, remember, and they're happening more and more. We've talked about some in the college world. Also, remember the Iowa strength and conditioning coach getting a term uh, separated. Um, remember uh, Chubba Hubbard at Oklahoma State coming out and talking about what he saw when Mike Gundy was uh, representing the OAN shirt. Then we saw this idea, the NCAA is not cool with the Confederate flag, won't let, at this point, the state of Mississippi host uh, kind of big-time events because they are the only state in the union right now that does have the Confederate flag as part of their state flag. Well, just like Chubb Hubbard, who is a, you know, good running back who moves the needle there, came out and said something, well, in the state of Mississippi, we now have similar action. Kylan Hill, a running back, one of the best running backs in the SEC, has come out and say, listen, Mississippi, the state, it's still in the state flag. I don't care about the NCAA not wanting to host. I ain't playing if if the state doesn't actually make some change here. I don't know if he is strong enough as an individual to move the needle on this. He is a good Mm. running back. But what I'm wondering about is where the hell is Dak Prescott at Mississippi State alum? Where the hell is Eli Manning, Ole Miss? Where is, you know, these guys who are big time names to stand with in the same way all these NASCAR drivers stood with Bubba? Mm. Like, Dak Prescott specifically, I believe he's the probably the you know most notorious alum of that football program right now. Where is he today supporting Kylan Hill? Where is head coach Mike Leach today supporting Kylan Hill? That's what I think needs to happen because it's good that this kid takes a stand, but I don't know that he's enough to you know move the powers that be. Yeah, I think what we've seen in the world today that it does take numbers. It takes numbers. Where's your NWO squad, bro? Where's DK Metcalf? Where's AJ Brown? Where's Dawson Knox being like, you know what? I played in that state of Mississippi and Kylan Hill is right. We need change. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fair question. And I don't I don't know how comfortable I feel saying that they have to be the ones to step up. I I think that it would be great to see. It's it's really gonna be I think one of the more powerful things, though, about Kylan Hill's situation specifically is a collegiate athlete going that far, you wouldn't expect. Because they are, in a lot of ways, without the power. Right. And the first of all, again, as we said this uh, similarly with Chuba Hubbard, if Kylan Hill requests to transfer and not miss time, the NCAA has but no choice to grant it. They cannot go through the wormhole. That is, if he says, I don't feel comfortable right. because of that the flag, they're not going to make him sit that year out. Now, the question, though, is, Dane, does that actually fix anything? I don't know. Island Hill just moves schools. I don't know. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, right? They lose a couple of guys, don't right. have as good as seasons. Do we see a change really through those actions? I'm not sure. I think in order to see those changes, Dane, you need what you're asking for. That's right. You need Dak Prescott. You In need the same way Manning. with the anthem, right? It was one thing, but oh, Baker's going to kneel, right? Aaron Rodgers is out there. Drew Brees now coming to his senses, right? It takes the other kind of franchise flagship power because unfortunately, whether it's Chubba Hubbard, whether it's Colin Kaepernick, or whether it's Kylan Hill, they're out there on an island, Right. And they're risking themselves and they need the cover. You know, listen, Michael Sam, for goodness sakes, who was, you know, came out as gay in the NFL. Right. To do it as an individual is one thing to do something with solidarity. Right. And so you're not there on the island anymore is a big thing. And that's why it's so big that Bill O'Brien or Baker Mayfield are coming out and saying that they'll kneel in the NFL. And that's why I look to other big name People from the state of Mississippi and Mississippi State, Dak Prescott comes to mind. On Ole Miss, the Manning family would move the needle like, whoa. And I bet there's a potential that some of the names that are being listed maybe don't see that flag as problematic because they grow up their whole life looking at it not in that way. 
now what's in Haven't we said, though, you can't ignore it anymore? And that's the biggest thing. And, that, and that's exactly what I was going to say here, though, right? Again, Drew Brees thought that what he was saying was acceptable. He thought that it was probably how most people felt. And then he was confronted with the reality of what his words meant, the weight that they carried, and the danger and just the flat-out wrongness of what he was saying. And then we saw a shift. And as much as I know, because you've heard people, right, say, ah, Drew Brees just did it to protect bottom dollar, to right. save his face. political career at the end or whatever, in, yeah. In my opinion, he went the extra mile when he addressed the Answered president. back the president. And, yeah. said, and said, listen, I'm telling you I was wrong in what I did. And I thought Drew Brees going that extra mile was substantial. So what you would hope then, and again, we're not saying that these people feel this way, but if the Mannings don't understand how that flag makes Kylan Hill feel, or if it's Dak Prescott or DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, again, all guys that played in those Mississippi areas, if they don't understand how it makes Kylan Hill feel, then they need to listen. And if they don't think that their voices would make a change, I would just tell them they're wrong. They're the exact voices that would help make a change. How, again, will, will they go far enough? We'll see, right? But even, even, and again, a lot of people, right, sometimes it's the financial incentives that move the needle. And we've seen, right, that they're not going to be able to host um, college right. tournaments because of the flag. Sure. So the thing is, that already pushes it a bit forward. A couple of other things is what tips that boat. And yeah, the sponsor that, some weird bowl game down there. I know? think you might see a real change, though, then if they push it a bit further. And that's what you have to hope for. Yeah, I agree with you, Kev. Um, I'm worried for Kylan Hill because I believe he's out there on an island right now. Okay, he might be on a righteous island. He might be on a woke island. He might be on the right side of history, right? But what he's almost on some level, he's painted himself in a corner because he's got to now hold out. He's got to now not show up and not play, you know, and I don't know if he's going to want to transfer or not, but, you know, it's a bad look if he caves and he reports the fall practice, you know, and so some someone else, whether it's Mike Leach, his coach, other players on that current team, uh, well-respected alumni, and I've listed a few in that state, in Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Like, I just worry that he makes this stand, but if he ultimately winds up on an island, how the narrative can shift, and if he caves, right? And, like, will it go far enough? But here... At the early line, we tip our cap to Kylan Hill. We do believe that, you know, the revolution is being televised, and he is a part of that as more and more college athletes reclaim their narrative and leverage their own power on social media and otherwise. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here where we continue to put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin and I are joined by our guy, Cam Stewart. It is a Thursday. It's a PGA Thursday. The last couple of times we had our guy on, he made us some cash. You don't need another $1,200 stimulus check. All you need to do is listen to our man, Cam Stewart, and we've got him back for another event. They are teeing off. At the Travelers Championship, Cam, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. It's uh, getting a little hot with this uh, gopher up here, but my lady, <laughs> she's superstitious. She go, I go, honey, I'm going to get a haircut. They opened up phase two. She goes, no, you're not. I go, what? Because you're not getting a haircut. She, did you just bet on Ryan Blaney and NASCAR? No, you're not getting a haircut. Did you hit Webb Simpson? Simpson, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, she's like, until until you lose a few in a row, you're not touching. Uh, as Gabe calls me, Ron Ruggs. Or Larry Lynn, <laughs> whatever you want to call me. 
This thing stays. It's getting really <laughs> annoying, though, Dane. Like, I want to go bald right now because it's hot up there. You can always go my route, though. Whenever you hit a cold streak, you can always go bald <laughs> just like me. But hopefully, when we bring you in next week, you still have the shaggy locks because that means you were delivering some winners. Let's talk about the Travelers Championship, Cam. The first thing I want to ask you is, you know, what is the style of this golf course? How big is this golf course? I've started to learn from you some are more suited to the bombers and some are more suited to the guys who, you know, can keep it narrow, keep it in the greens in regulation and the shorter courses may favor them. What kind of course do we see for the travelers and which way does it lean? Oh, it's a short co course, guys. 6,841 yards, par 70. The difference is, though, uh, I think everyone's going to be in contention, but I think the bombers do have a little bit of adv advantage with some of the way the holes are situated, dog legs, the rough's not too bad here. I'm going to tell you something. It's not my favorite type of golf, but don't be surprised if the winner of this tournament is something like 22 under. Like, they're going to, they're going to go real low this week. Uh, if the winds don't pick up, there's a few water holes, but scoring conditions, if it's sunny and, you know, with no wind, these oh, tour players are going to massacre this course. <laughs> That's kind of the way it goes, right? So, but the, th the thing is, it's good when it's, when it's short. You, you got to think about guys off the tee, but think about this, guys. Mm. When you're a long hitter and you hit it straight, a.k.a. Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka starting to look really good. He's, he's yeah. got his driver cooking now. These guys are going to be going into these par fours. Ten of the par fours are under 450 yards. They're going in with sand wedge. And, and, and that's kind of the situation. If, and if you're a PGA Tour guy... At 140 <laughs> yards out, you're probably hitting it inside eight feet. Birdie, 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 birdie. It's going to be eagles. Lots of lots of circles on the cards, fellas. Let me let me ask you, Cam, though, because you have been able to give us, you know, straight winners here, right? And I'm not going to like the old cliche. What's your secret? But is there something specifically that you feel like you're finding right now when you're going through these golf cards that's just jumping out to you and helping you kind of identify these spots? You know what, Kev and, and Dane? It's something we use in other sports. A lot of guys get frustrated when a guy lets you down. Your first reaction as a human, I'm not going back to this guy. He cost me money. Actually, we should do the opposite. I have a rule in hockey. When you lose by three, uh, three, four more goals, or you get blown out, I come back to you the next night. Mm -hmm. Usually it was just something not right. You know what I mean? Travel time. You just weren't, didn't have your head in the game. And the minute you get focused, you're going to dummy some team on the back-to-back. That's the way I look at golf. Look at Webb Simpson. He didn't care the week before. This tournament, he came in focused. He won. And I'm going to take the same approach this week, exactly the same with Sunjay M. Ah. Sunjay M is a, a machine, and he just didn't play. I told you, the guy doesn't rest. But finally, I think it caught up to him a little bit. Mm. He probably just needed one mental day. Let's get back to this thing. I'm always traveling in the hotels. Now with that missed cut, I could tell you something. He's going to be working. He doesn't go home and sleep, maybe just for a little bit to recharge the batteries. Mm -hmm. But then he's out there working on everything. I love him this week. He, he's got a great driving game. His, his, wedge, his wedge is phenomenal. He will drive you insane with missed putts, but he's going to be so close. Some of them are going to be kick-ins. I think Sunjay M on FanDuel, he's 35-1. to 1. Yeah. I think you've got to put him in outright in a top 10. Top 10, he is also pretty good price. What is that? Plus two, three, plus yeah, three eighty. Absolutely, and oh that's what God. I've been doing. Yes, man. yes, Looking yes. at these guys in the twenty to thirty to one range, you get them out right. Cool. Then buy my dinner, right? But still, at top five, top ten, top twenty, you can still get these guys at plus money. I even do that same theory, Cam. I do that in the NFL also. If a team under the point spread by like 17 points, you know, I just close my eyes, you know, pinch my nose and take them the following week because of the kind of bounce back theory. Think about um, this, Dane. One, yeah. guy, one guy wins a golf tournament. One guy. Mm -hmm. There's 156 guys teeing it up. You get one guy. So if Absolutely. I'm going to take a unit of $100, right, what mm -hmm. am I going to do with it? Some guys go 50-50. I tend to go more like 35-65 or 40-60. Outright, but you got to put money, more money on the T10, I think, because, hey, if you get those guys, you're going to still make money at the end of the tournament instead going, wow, my guy came second, my guy came fifth. It's so frustrating, right? right? So yeah. diversify and find a couple matchup bets that you like. I got a couple of those for you guys, too. 
For sure. And we definitely want to get to those. I got to ask you about one player specifically. It's a name you've mentioned. It's a name that's come up the last couple of weeks, Cam, and it's Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau is a guy who, you know, I'm not, I'm a casual golf fan. You're deeper into it for sure. But I always knew the narrative around Bryson DeChambeau was like, you know, he's into almost like the money ball of golf, right? And the different Bryson. physics of it all. And, 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 and it's like almost like launch angle in baseball, right? He's into all that stuff. Then the dude comes on tour this year after the pandemic, yoked up to the nines, right? And so talk to me about his development. He was always a blue chip prospect. It seems like he may be on the verge of putting it all together. And if so, he could he could go on a kind of Brooks Kepka run, be in the same breath as a Rory or a DJ and others, right? Big time. I think he's already there. Okay. I'll tell you guys. I'll tell you guys another thing about Bryson DeChambeau. Whatever you're thinking about, or whatever you think of him, he doesn't care. Right. He does it his way. He's been mocked. All these guys on Golf Channel. Look at his bulk. He looks like he's a a football player. Yeah. Hmm. Well, he doesn't have a technical swing like everybody else. When you watch his swing angle in plane, that extra weight is actually not affecting him. Where some guys, if you put it on a thin frame with your style, it would ruin your swing. He will be fine. He works out. He crushes protein shakes. And I'll tell you another thing. He's out driving <laughs> Rory McIlroy. I got another bet for you guys. His mm. game is suited for the Masters. And I saw ah. one line. I got him at 35 to 1. I think it's down to about 28. You better click on it soon because you're probably going to get him to under. Un, yeah, he's you're going to get him under. I'm going to say he's going to be about, about 12 to 1 wow. if this guy keeps on playing like this. He I'm going to tell you guys. choice right now. Yeah. Tied with DJ at 16 to 1. Yeah. Wow. His game will suit Augusta perfectly. I've already bet him when the line was, and that's another thing about oh. golf. Maybe we'll talk about some uh, future majors guys and click on a couple guys now before, mm. kind of like the stock. Uh, mutual, like the ponies? Yeah, no, no, yeah, the ponies. That's great. Hey, I bet him at nine to one or three. Hey, he's five <laughs> to two. That's great. Thanks. Anyway, no, at least golf, you could lock it in. But I like Bryson DeChambeau this week, guys, at 13 to one. FanDuel actually has a better price on uh, a couple other books. I've seen them 10, 11. So you know what? 13 to one, you go, mm, I need a little bit more. But why get in front of a, a moving truck right here? Right. This guy's going to hit the ball 350 yards straight, and he's going to be going in with half wedges. And, and if he puts semi-well, he will be in contention and maybe win this golf tournament. I, I'm putting a little bit more on him because of the odds at 13, but he is probably him and Kepka. I think, are probably the two best guys. Like, if you had a one-and-done, those are guys I'd go with, and I love him, too. That's exactly who I was going to ask you about is Brooks Kepka, right? He came back at the Schwab. It was, you know, it was kind of the first time back for him off of the injury. He had a top 10 finish then uh, in the most recent outing. Do we think that, you know, to a guy for a while was seen as the best golfer in the world, is he back? That's the thing. I think he is, Kev. I'm not sure what's going to happen in this tournament. He plays his best in majors. But mm. what I saw last week, the way he was hitting that three-wood and driver – he looked like a man on a mission. He also went up to Nick Faldo and said, hey, buddy, like he was trolling him when the, the announcers <laughs> were talking about, oh, they should talk in the boom mic. He's like, listen, Nick, just settle down. Just watch mm -hmm. me play golf here. That's what I kind of like about Brooks Kepka. He's cocky, but he's kind of, he's in his own little world, right? Like, you know right. what I mean? He'll call out Tiger Woods. I remember when Tiger Woods wanted to play right. a practice round with him. He's like, sorry, Tiger, I like you and all, but. I'm not going to show you how I'm going to play. Like, you know what I mean? It's like all the other guys, please, Tiger, can I carry your right. bag? Play with you. Like, Brooks Kepka is kind of his own man, and he had game last week. I think it translates. He's, he's got so much power, guys. That's the thing. And, and when he hits it straight, he'll tear this course apart. I don't like to take guys too low, but Bryson at 13 and Kepka at 18, yeah. those, I think they have to be bet. And you know what? They're not going to give you any money. If I take a guy at 100 to 1 and he doesn't right. win, I got to take who I think is going to win and mm -hmm. put more money on him. Yeah, absolutely. And these guys, even if you want to be a little bit more conservative, their T10s are still plus money around yes. the plus 150 kind of range. If you want to kind of split the baby on that one, you talked about the majors, Cam. And so that opens the door to another question I've got to ask you. And we've known this for a while in the sports world because we've been without sports for three months that we are going to be double booked like crazy come the fall. Yeah, right. And so live doing. Do we start like at yeah, uh, no, right? <laughs> o'clock in the morning for the MLS? So you talk about the majors i'm looking at september the u.s open the weekend of september 17th then the following weekend the Ryder cup then the weekend right after that 
the President's Cup. And that's before, you know, obviously the Masters in early November, the U.S. Open going off in late August as well. Talk to me from, you know, I remember asking you about the horses, right, going into the Belmont and how you train over a long period of time. These golfers are going to be no different, not only the Masters, but these kind of international tournaments stacking back to back to back in the month of September. How do they prepare for this? I got to tell you, when you're betting these majors, you got to take somebody who's physically strong, a.k.a. Mm. Brooks Kepka, right. And he lives for majors, right? There's going to be certain guys that don't have the mental fortitude to, to play in big tournaments and go back to back and back. They're going to gas out. Brooks Kepka lives for majors, so he's a guy who definitely, like, blindly, I'll bet him in the U.S. Open. That's what he does. He wins U.S. Opens, right? But I'm going to tell you guys, it's going to separate the men from the boys because these are highly emotional tournaments. It's country versus country, right? That's the thing. So, you know, it's not just about yourself. It's about your buddies, your country, yeah. patriotism, your friends. Like, when Europe and, uh, and USA get together in golf, like, these guys will get along, but things change when, when we get to the Ryder Cup. They get pretty, pretty patriotic, and you're going to need a strong mental game to go through. You said it. That's a gauntlet of tournaments with high mental fortitude that you're going to need to perform. Yeah, absolutely. Listen up, Cam. We got to take a quick break in about a minute, but... You know, we've yep. been looking at the NBA, we've been looking at Major League Baseball, we've been looking at the NFL, and you know, about a month ago, we heard mm -hmm. that the NHL was coming on back, we heard about their format, you know, with the kind of what the top four seeds were going to do, we thought it was intriguing, we thought it was interesting, we heard about this idea of hub cities, and we don't know which ones they're going to be, and some of them are getting g gobbled up by other sports, so we wanted to check in with you on the progress in the NHL, have they come to these cities, are you betting plus money because of the idea of the hot goalie, we want to ask you some of those questions, can you stick with us for a couple of minutes and then we will come back absolutely that's what we do we don't only give you a fish we teach you how to fish <laughs> right here giving you the edge on sports <laughs> we're coming right back it's the early line more with our guy cam stewart right after this sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com you're watching sports grid Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. We continue to give you the edge right here on SportsGrid with our guy Cam Stewart. We're going to get to hockey because, you know, A, he knows a lot more than I do when it comes to that. But first, you did say, you know, we talked top 10. We talked to win outright. There's so many ways to bet the golf tournament. It seems like you got a couple of matchups and other ways to skin the cat to get us some money going into the summer. So please do, Cam. Let us know. <laughs> well, guys, you know, with my physique, I like beer. So here's a six-pack for <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau, 13 to 1. Brooks Kepka, 18 to 1. Justin smelling like a rose, 30 to 1. Okay. Sunjai M, the comeback kid, 35. Colin Morikawa, he likes to make cuts, 40 to 1. And my uh, pooch today, <laughs> Georgia Bulldog, Brian Harmon. Ooh. I okay. love it. You didn't say DeChambeau. Yeah, I said Bryson. That's his oh, okay. first name, right? Did I say Bryson? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, you got me scared, Dan. I'm losing my mind here. From out Cam Car. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, ma my favorite matchup bet, DeChambeau, minus 134 over Simpson. Lay the juice, guys. Simpson won last week. He's probably feeling good. He's got five kids. Hey, kids, you want better formula? How about me and mom take you out? I'm just going to – basically, this is a vacation for the Simpson family, and I will take DeChambeau in a matchup bet over him. And I think Kepka at plus 106 – um, who's he versus Rom? You're getting plus money on Kepka. I think that's pretty good, despite John Rom being a good player. And if you're looking for real sprinkles, like five dollar guys, mm -hmm. uh, Lucas Glover 150 to one, Max Homa 151, and Michael Thompson 150 to one. I love it, and I, I think the the Brooks Kepka top ten. I think it's like plus 220 at Fanduel. Yeah, I, that's I a think, great bet. I, I think that's that's something I'm gonna have to make a couple of phone calls and figure out who I got to talk to. I'm gonna drive Jersey later today if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Dane, let's carpool, man. We'll carpool. Uh, we, we got some stuff. Cam, I want to talk to you about uh, about hockey though, because 
we had like, oh, okay, they're back. There was a plan, but then there was a lot for them to figure out. Now, I know we have those opening series, and I'm sure you've got uh, plays for all of them. Before we get there, though, what do you think about where the NHL is in terms of figuring out their restart? How close are we to actually getting hockey back? I know the NHL is getting a lot of, like, Gabe and I on game time decisions, we rip them because they can't even get the hub cities. But I think they're doing this for a reason. I think they're looking at other sports and COVID-19. Hockey is going to be a very hard sport to police. Face washes. You touch my goalie, I want to punch you in the face. Like, it's going to be a very, very different game. Think about playoff hockey. You're basically going out there, like, you're leaving it all on the line. You got your family, your team, you're killing the other guys. Like, after a hockey series, you're done. You leave it all out there. It's going to be very different. Because toughness in today's COVID-19 era will change the face of hockey. What do you look for? Let's look at it from a betting perspective, because that's what we do. Fast teams. Mm. Teams that don't have to worry. You know, you don't need that goon to you know stick up for your superstar. Right. That's why I'm thinking like a team like Toronto, I'm not just saying the Leafs, but they had a subpar season. This is a great restart for them. Yeah, look at a team like Colorado. You get these guys at 15 to 1. What's going to happen in this new format? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, you know, we're not mind readers, guys, but I'll tell you one thing. This team was on a heater. A lot of people have a different opinion of Vegas. They're like, oh, Vegas, they get Mark Stone back. They get all their, all their guys that are healthy. But you have to think about this thing full. They have a coach that the team was just getting used to that hasn't seen the team in three to four months. Oh, wow, and now yeah. you have to get acclimated to it. Like, you know what I mean? He was just starting to feel out the players. That's going to be a tough process. So I think Vegas, despite having a good team and getting veterans back, that's something to think about. Like the coach gelling with the players. I look for teams, guys. The best angle for me is teams that were like need to do better. Toronto mm. needs to do better. The Islanders went, they were the hottest team in the league. Then they just went into the toilet. Teams like that. And you talked about it, Dane, hot goaltenders. Hockey's one of those sports. I can outshoot you 57 to 12. You beat me. Ding, ding, ding. Your goalie's on fire. John Sebastian Jaguar. Jaguar. Biddington <laughs> for St. Louis. Like, you know what I mean? That's the thing. The guy got in the zone. And that's all it takes is a goalie to get hot for a while, and you can win the Stanley Cup. That's why betting underdogs in hockey makes sense. It is the one sport. Like, we can tell you. Who's going to be in the NBA Finals? Probably a few teams. You got Milwaukee. The Raptors are kind of interesting. And then you got the Clippers and the Lakers. Four mm -hmm. teams, usually. I would have said Denver, but Jokic lost his mind, his body, right. and he's got COVID-19. I hope he rebounds. But in hockey, anybody can win. The Dallas Stars can win. Philadelphia could win. Toronto could win. That's the thing. It's good to look at a number and mm -hmm. bet dogs. You know, Cam, you know, you mentioned Jokic could get it. Anybody could get it. So can any hockey player, right? That's and so we are clearly in this brand new horizon where variance is going to reign supreme in all sports, right? Whether it's a 60 game schedule, the uncertainty of any player being able to test positive for the virus, you bring up the hot goalie. You know, when I look at baseball now in this 60 game season, I also think about players or teams who had a number of players who were injured wouldn't have been able to make opening day but are going to be ready to go my new york yankees have stanton judge their number two starter james paxton for example clear from injury i also think about a team like the padres who have a kid like chris paddock who's not going to be able to worry about an in an innings limit and go full bore the braves with guys like freed and sorotka being able to do that as well you've talked about your angles cam the idea of teams that need to rebound or a team that has the potential hot goalie? Are there any teams that have, you know, players coming back from injury? I know with the Blackhawks, Kane and Taves certainly move the needle for their prospects. I think the Blackhawks are probably playing with house money the most out of any team in this. You know, them in Montreal, they shouldn't be there. They're there. It's basically, wow, we got a lottery ticket. We get to play. They're it's, about your, it's about mental attitude. I can tell you guys something. If we go there and go, you know what? Let's treat this as a regular season. Let's do this. We're not going to see the family for a while. We're going to be in quarantine. We're going to win the damn Stanley Cup under the COVID-19 era. You will see early, guys. And I'm telling you, I'm going to watch every second of every game. I look for body language. And if, if team starts looking shrugging, right. and let's get the hell out of here. I want to go have sex with my girlfriend again. Like college I, teams at a bowl yes, game. Yes, 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 exactly. It's going to be, that's the way we have to look at COVID-19. Exactly, Dane. That is the perfect angle. What bowl team doesn't care about this stupid right. trip to Bahamas? And the other team goes, let's do something for our school and lay it down. We're 16-point underdogs. We'll beat these turkeys outright. That's what the – and we will see it early. We will see it through body language and effort. And those teams that aren't there, 
fade them because I'm telling you, some teams have already checked out before this thing's even started. What do you think, Cam, in terms of the hub cities? They're down to Vegas, Chicago, L.A., Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver. There seems to be an expectation that they're going to put one in Canada and one here in the States. How much do you think it matters when it comes to where they're actually going to put these hub cities? I don't think it matters too much, but here's the one thing that does matter to me. It's a little thing. Vegas, if you're going to have Vegas as a hub city, you can't have the Western Conference there. Mm-hmm. You have to have a team that's out of the playoffs, in my opinion. Just just even think about it. You don't think these guys can get past security? You don't think they can find a way to go down, visit their buddies, see their wife, right. have sex, go go to a poker party? Like That's the thing. I, you don't want to give them even the ability to slip security and get out of there. I don't think, and I don't think that's fair. Vegas shouldn't have the hub city for the Western Conference. But mm. L.A. makes sense because the Kings aren't a part of this tournament, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Edmonton's in the playoffs. Vancouver's in the playoffs. So the only team out of the six remaining hub cities that's not in the playoffs is L.A. Uh, it it kind of makes sense to me. But I'm going to say uh, Toronto's also opened up uh, phase two. They got like uh, barber shops this week, patios, all that other stuff. So basically, I think Vegas is a lock. And it seems to be a battle between Vancouver and Toronto for the second one. I do believe the NHL wants to have one Canadian city and yeah. one American city. You know, it's interesting because as you see here, you know, different states are spiking right now at different rates and creating different contexts for any city it might be. You know, you mentioned uh, Nikola Jokic before. We talked earlier on this show how Novak Djokovic, the number one tennis player in the world, has tested positive. And Cam, forgive my naivete, but when I think of NHL, I think about a lot of European players, a lot of Eastern European players. And, you know... Serbia, this Novak Djokovic thing, he put together a, you know, charity tennis tournament, no masks, no social distancing. They were going out partying and stuff. Does the international nature of hockey and the fact that these hub cities are going to be in two different countries, potentially, what kind of, you know, additional complications or wrenches does that have when we're talking about maybe Canada may want people to quarantine when America doesn't, an influx of Eastern European talent coming in and maybe they're testing positive at a bigger rate. I'm not a doctor, I don't know, but are there more concerns because of the sheer international nature of the NHL that, for example, the NBA or the NFL or MLS may not have to deal with? Yeah, it's a great point, guys. And I'll tell you something, Hockey is different than the, than these other sports, too. I think that's why they're taking so long. You know, they're kind of the butt end of the jokes. Me and Gabe used to say they'd go to the strip club and make the schedule. Oh, yeah, yeah, and leave some sabers. And, you know, have a scotch. Yeah, what are we going to do? Back, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, these guys are sitting there. And we laugh at some of the things the NHL have done. But they've been a lot better lately. Embracing gambling. And I really think they're taking this thing seriously because that is going to be a hard sport to manage during COVID-19, the nature of the sport. But I will say this. I think, I think the league has told the players. I know Swedish guys have already been skating. They basically have been... Me and my buddy Brian Blessing, I do another uh, hockey uh, show for people in Vegas and stuff. We talked about that. Watch out, guys, for Hart trophies and, and uh, awards. Mm-hmm. A European. These guys are already three months ahead of the game. Ah. These guys in Sweden, like Gabriel Landeskog, guys like that who are out, out in different countries. Watch out for those guys. Finns, Swedes, they're already ahead of the game. But I will say, I, I, I think it's very, very hard to police guys. But the NHL knows if things go wrong, like, we're, we're basically gambling, guys. Like, like we talk about baseball. Me and, me and Gabe said, if anything goes wrong, there's no window now. Baseball, That's you right. have no opportunity to fail. You Everything has to be perfect. Sports, follow the blueprint. Well, time Big. is Exactly. Well, the, the NFL is in the same boat. But yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you, Cam, before we get you out of here, yep. and I'm sure this thing will change. Uh, we got about a minute left, though. I'm sure you have some type of card that's building for the, at least these series prices and what have you that exists for the NHL right now. Yeah, you know, I'm going to the, the, I'm gonna take I, – I know Columbus is a popular pick. I'm going to take Toronto over them. I think, they're, I think this is a second chance for them. Uh, I think they're going to do very, very well in this new format with their speed. They make the card. And in the Western Conference, guys, basically, if you bet every underdog, I think you probably go three and one. If you go two and two, whatever, you, you make money because – this format is going to be open to underdogs. Like baseball, Dane, uh, you know what we're talking about, Kev, as we talked about, 60 games, yeah. so many, yeah. like, it's, it's crazy, man. I Aaron love the Angels, too, by the way. I like the White Sox, too. 
Yeah, I like some young kids, Eloy and Yoan, <laughs> real quick, along with Giolito and Kopech. And that's the thing, variance reigns supreme. Get that plus money. That's what Cam's saying, and we co-signed that. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, Cam. We're going to have you back, and hopefully your hair continues to grow, because that means our pockets are getting fat. <laughs> Hit another phone, Welcome to Flow. Absolutely. Have a great day, Cam. Kevin and I are back to wrap a little bow on this episode of The Early Line. Come on back. Kevin and I will be here. Hopefully you will be too. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Kevin and I going around. And, you know, it's so crazy, Kev, because literally under the context of COVID-19 and the pandemic, what do we say all the time? Who knows what's going to happen, right? Like, I, we keep on talking about random players who may test positive, who may not. And literally, minutes after our guy Cam Stewart just said that he likes Brooks Kepka this week because he's getting in tune, we have now received breaking news that Brooks Kepka is out of the tournament this week, okay? And it's apparently because not he yet, but his caddy has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, as you know, Kev, if they're kind of touching the same clubs and stuff like that together, unfortunately now there is a very legit chance that Brooks Kepka does as well, but that's not the report. He has pulled out, though, of the event this weekend because his caddy has tested positive for COVID-19. And I think, like... If that is not just a perfect example or testimonial to the idea that this can happen at any moment to any player for mm. any reason and how it will upset the kind of competitive balance because Brooks Kepka is now off of the board with our friends on FanDuel making Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, the odds change. It clearly warps competitive balance when you back out the surprise people, just like we said in Major League Baseball, we don't know who's not going to show up. Just like we said in the NBA, we don't know who's going to test positive, right? And it puts a lot up in the air. Brooks Kepka, right now, literally minutes after we just talked about him, a perfect example. Yeah, it's, um, man, it's a shame. I, I, I would have loved to, act, you know, been able to get out there and, uh, and play on Brooks. It's obviously much more important, though, that he is um healthy that the caddy is able to hopefully be all right we um i don't think currently know the nature of the positive test whether it's a symptomatic or asymptomatic and i guess the biggest um note here though is this feels like the first major withdrawal that we've seen having to do with covid golf had done a pretty nice job up to this point Avoiding there was a anything couple of like guys that. who had to withdraw, but they weren't, again, to the previous point, like they weren't top-name major contenders, right? Guys like Cameron Champ, one mm -hmm. other, you know. So it's the idea of, like, when you say, does the role player in the NBA kind of test positive? Not and, someone at this level. Right, and the thing is, and I hope it doesn't come this off as if like I'm saying that Brooks matters more. It's not that. It's everybody. It's the situation of Brooks Kepka's a name that gets people to go, oh, like it's, they see the story and now, oh, it's hitting golf. And that's kind of, oh, it's impacting things. We saw uh, instantly his name get pulled off the FanDuel sports book and it moved lines right away. Yep. And absolutely. And, you know, Kepka moves the needle enough. You know, we we're talking about do other basketball players move the needle. Maybe Ariza doesn't. Maybe Lou Williams doesn't. But Nikola Jokic might, you know. And, None of them are the first or only ones names we are going to hear. This is going to happen in all sports. We've talked about Novak Djokovic. We talked with Cam about some of the Europeans coming in for the NHL. But, you know, to finish off uh, today's show, I want to go back to something we've been doing the last couple of days. Uh, we haven't talked much football today, so I want to go there. We were talking about that whole exercise of how many bell cows if you remember, are there really in the league? We went through their kind of pieces of the pie, the chunks, and I did, you know, I tallied it all up, Kev, and you and I differ on some 
okay? Like, I might see it as a three where you saw it as a timeshare or vice versa. But we were largely similar, give or take, you know, one or two, let's say, being the margin of error. And out of the 32 teams in the NFL, we came up with 11 bell cows, 11 timeshares, five teams that are like RBB3s, and then five teams where the quarterback makes up a big chunk. When it looks to the bell cows, Kev, were there any kind of takeaways from for you? Because for me, there were. Uh, and, and for me, it's takeaways of like, oh, this guy may be a bell cow, but is going far lower in ADP, and I may be more safe with their floor. Uh, for example, Todd Gurley, James Conner, maybe Le'Veon Bell fit into that court category. What are you thinking about some of these bell cows that we identified? Yeah, we're starting to obviously um, get on the same wave- wavelength here. It's exactly what I was going to bring up first. I think we've got somewhat of a big three forming here for us. Uh, we've talked about the running back position in fantasy. I cannot stop looking at mock drafts that like industry mock drafts, whatever it might be, watching the guys that lead off with their, uh, you know, wide receivers early and saying it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm using right now, I'm, I'm looking over at fantasy uh, pros right now is where I just yeah. kind of pulled it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Gurley is running back 15, Le'Veon Bell is running back 18, and James Conner as running back 22. I would almost say that we've got somewhat of a big three forming of guys that are, you know, they're, they're not going in this RB1 territory that all have that type of ceiling. And for whatever reason, they're not being, you know, kind of put in that position. Maybe Gurley and Connor has to do with injury. Right. Uh, you know, Lev Bell's situation is, is probably maybe more complicated to try and figure out why people are down on yeah, them. Because Adam Gase is there, that's why. <laughs> right. But those are the three names that I would say, Dane, if you're able to pair with yeah. an RB1, that's when you start to feel really, you know, excited about how you're going to fill out the remainder of, of, you know, the top of your fantasy roster. Yeah, so like the diamonds of bell cows almost, right? We disagreed yeah. on one other name in there, but I think you, I wouldn't, but I think you might put Leonard Fournette in that category as well, whereas I believe Chris Thompson may get a little bit more of that pass-catching role, and because of the game flow, that may be a timeshare. So while we like these lower-level bell cows, mm-hmm. the inverse may also be true, right? Um running backs that we may think are part of timeshares, but that the market views as higher, right? So if the market views these bell cows lower, we like them. The inverse is probably true. If the market views someone as high and we think they're a little bit more of a timeshare, could that be a problem? My eyes are on a guy like Nick Chubb in that category because we sort of believe Kareem Hunt may eat a legitimate piece of the pie. Yeah, Nick Chubb's really interesting. There's an argument to be made that he is one of the five best running backs in football. Uh, Again, depends maybe how much you say you're someone who likes PFF grades, but I believe he's been the top running back consecutive seasons. But Kareem Hunt was incredible when he got there. And if you owned Nick Chubb last year, you saw a dip in production due to uh, Kareem Hunt's present. I'd also, though, like to throw another name that made this timeshare list, but I came away positive from it. Uh, And that's David Montgomery. David Mm. Montgomery disappointed last year. I think that's fair to say. But it wasn't a workload thing. Right. It just was a rookie who didn't get off the ground great. But I still think that they like this guy. And for me, again, a guy who, where I'm looking right now, say RB24, who has the potential to get 250 carries on an offense that if quarterback by Nick Foles should be more dangerous... I thought, and with a less running threat as well. Yeah, because Trubisky gave some, more, had some running. Yeah, more more liable to run. I would tell you that David Montgomery is someone who I came maybe more than any name I came away very surprised by. That I was like, oh wow, I actually would not be against owning some David Montgomery on my teams. Fair enough. There is one also timeshare here that we needed to note was incomplete, and it's your team, Kev. In Philadelphia, right? And I think we both see this similarly, but if people didn't watch the show yesterday, we should restate it. Miles Sanders is an interesting case because if the season started today, Kevin, I'd call him a bell cow. 
However, I don't think that's going to be the case come Labor Day, you know, because the Eagles have been engaged in talks with Devontae Freeman, with Carlos Hyde, who ultimately signed in Seattle, with LaShawn McCoy, right? Maybe there'll be others down the road. Uh, Lamar Miller potentially comes to mind. And we think that that signals, at least, that Philly wants to add to their running back room and mm -hmm. add kind of a a trusted veteran archetype to be in a timeshare with Miles Sanders. So right now, Miles Sanders could warrant that RB11 or wherever he is, but we think his potential opportunity is going to decrease with what we believe is an impending signing in the some point in the next couple of months, right? That's really interesting, actually. Um, so... Yes, right. And the reason why we put them incomplete is not that we believe they need another back, that they've been linked to other yes. backs. They're in the, the market. The, but the way the Devonta Freeman thing is gone, I'd be pretty surprised to see him end up an eagle. They were, I think they were linked to Carlos Hyde the most, and, and he's, he's in now Seattle. in Seattle. Former eagle Shady McCoy. So LaShawn McCoy shows up here. How much work do we think LaShawn McCoy is eating into? I guess this is what I would have to ask you. If they sign another guy, yeah, for you, Miles Sanders is moving down. If they don't, is Miles Sanders moving up? If they don't sign someone, Miles Sanders is a low-end RB one for me. Well, that's where he is now. Right. I might, and I might say that he's the, a low-end RB one. They're going to sign someone. I don't think he moves up. I think they look at the current rosters, and his only path would be down. I don't think he moves up if they don't address the position. I, yeah, I, I think that might be where we we might see it a bit differently. I don't know if LaShawn McCoy comes in and cuts into the pie so much that he now ends up as RB 15, 16. If he's by himself in that backfield with the potency that he was able to put forth last year to be the number one behind still, despite Brandon Brooks's absence, a great offensive line, what has yeah. been a good, strong How system. I think as I look at the names here, yep, right, I'm, sure I'm just sort of – Kenyon Drake or Miles Sanders, if no one gets added to the Philadelphia room? I think Miles Sanders. Joe Mixon or Miles Sanders, if no one gets added to the Philadelphia room? I think that's. I think they're of the same level, then. I think that he's of a similar level to Joe Mixon. All right, so you're talking about a movement of, what, like two spots? You well, know, I see Mixon here sure. as, as RB7. Right. I think so, there's, a, there's a big difference between fringe RB1 and the middle of RB1. I think well, I think Miles so. Sanders right now is RB10, and maybe he hops over one or two. Sure, I mean, we're splitting hairs when it comes to it. But yes, you're right. And But we think they're adding someone, so we will yes. digress. One other thing that I thought was very, very interesting, as I look at the teams, and we only got a couple minutes, as I look at the teams where quarterbacks make up a significant chunk, Kev, I'm going to draft Terod Taylor on some of my teams. I just am. You know, you talk about the shepherd of the fantasy herd. You've made that point. I've made that point. This is also someone who has a legit rushing floor. We believe in the weapons on offense. Why not take a flyer on Tarad as a super flex or as a two quarterback kind of league, knowing that if he defecates the matrix, there's always others to go to. Why not some of the upside rushing upside that Tarad offers? It was inevitable as we did this, that our show would find our guys. And Tyrod <laughs> is certainly cementing himself as one of them. He's going to not only end up on season-long rosters, but I know we both, and hopefully those who have been watching us here, will have week one DFS lineups where Tyrod Taylor will be their quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers defense in the Joe Burrow debut as well. Tyrod Taylor, quarterback 29 right now. But as Kevin has said, a history of rushing success, and that counts in fantasy. That'll do it for us today. The morning after is up next. Kevin and I will be back tomorrow to keep putting the fun in functional sports content. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.